Well, this past year, I had a goal. I wanted to run a marathon. Uh, the, the year started out for me. I was getting more into running, you know, running 5K, feeling good about that. And then I'd run like 10K, I felt good about that. Did a half marathon, and I thought to myself, you'd have to be out of your mind to run a full marathon. But then there's something about it. You know, I'm like watching other people run marathons. I'm, I'm looking up, you know, the Boston City Marathon. And, and I'm like, man, these, these runners are amazing. I want to be like that. I want to run the way they can run. 42.2 kilometers? That would be so cool to run that far. Um, And so I signed up for the Vancouver Marathon. And I started training. And I didn't realize at the time that the cost of me doing this was a lot higher than I thought. You know, I'd, I'd finish a run and my toes were literally bleeding. I would finish a run and I wouldn't be able to walk. Uh, the next morning, I'd get up, and I'm sore and stiff all over, and it was like, uh, is this what I signed up for? Yeah, this is what I signed up for. Well, and as many of you know, the Vancouver Marathon, of, along with so many other events, was canceled, but I still had this goal, and two weeks ago, I was able to finish my first marathon distance, running 42.2 kilometers, and I was so proud, you know, it was like, I did it! You know, I I am among those people now who can run marathons. It's interesting. I never would have known the joy and the satisfaction of completing that race if I hadn't endured the training. If I hadn't endured all of the unexpected costs involved to running a marathon. If I hadn't pushed through the, the sore muscles. If I hadn't woken up weekend after weekend early to make sure I could get those long runs in before the sun got too hot. Well, we've been talking about the Beatitudes. And in these Beatitudes, Jesus is painting this picture of what the person who follows Jesus, the person who walks with Jesus, is like. We've been talking about this person who is dependent on God. This person who is sensitive to sin. This person who is humble and meek. This person who hungers and longs for righteousness. This person who is a peacemaker. This person who is pure of heart. This person who is merciful. Now I'm sure none of you would argue against me that we actually want to be this type of person. None of you would say, no, 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 pure of heart, that's for somebody else. We, we long for this, don't we? You know, Jesus created us. We were created to walk with him. We were created to be this type of person. This person who God looks upon and calls blessed. But maybe you, like me, have experienced some of the unexpected costs of pursuing becoming this type of person. Some of the unexpected costs that come in walking with Jesus. You know, and that is what Jesus is getting at in this this message. Maybe you, like me, have experienced challenges in walking with Jesus. Have you ever experienced challenges in walking with Him? Have you ever wanted to give up in your walk with Jesus? 
You know, when I think about wanting to run that marathon, it was that image, that picture of, of being that person who could do it that kept me going. And I think so too. We pursue and we grow in pursuing Jesus, walking with Jesus, as we keep this blessed life ahead of us, in our scope, in our, in our, in our mind. Our final Beatitudes this morning addresses this whole idea of the unexpected costs. Where Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for they, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Hmm. What's Jesus getting at here? What is all this about? You're blessed when you're persecuted? Whoa, whoa, whoa. That doesn't make any sense. But friends, I think what Jesus is getting at here is this reality that experiencing the joy of walking with Jesus... Experiencing this blessing that we've been talking about these past few weeks, it will inevitably lead to unexpected costs. Experiencing the joy of walking with Jesus will lead to unexpected costs. It's this whole reality that as we walk with Jesus, as we live out life as the type of people who are dependent on God, who are sensitive to sin, who who long for God's righteousness. As, as we live out these attributes, the world around us is going to look at us and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? Why can't you be more like me? You know, as we live out the way Jesus has called us to, and we're going to start unpacking uh, the Sermon on the Mount probably in the fall. We're going to get more into the teaching of Jesus. As we live out of these teachings, as we walk with Jesus the way that he has called us to walk, it leads to people pushing back against us, of not liking us, of maybe not wanting to be around us. A little boy named John, who's in the fourth grade, he said that, I tried inviting some of my friends from school to church, and now none of them will play with me anymore. Rebecca a high school student, says, my Christian values make me the brunt of many jokes at my high school. I'm thankful for my friends at youth group. Malachi, an electrician working in the trades, says that there's guys at work who have bets going to see who can make the Christian guy swear. I struggle to fit in at work, but I keep praying I can be a witness. Michael, a businessman, says that I lost my dream job when I refused to enter into questionable dealings with other companies. While I know I did the right thing, I'm still struggling when I think of all that I lost. Brittany, a young mom, says that the other moms on my daughter's hockey team treat me differently after they find out I'm a Christian. I don't get it. I want to show them the love of Jesus, but it's difficult when they seem to avoid talking to me. Persecution. 
walking with Jesus, leading to those around us, looking at us and saying, you're kind of different. Why can't you be more like us? If you're not going to be more like us, you can just go over there. Perhaps you can relate to these stories. The, the difficult part of this beatitude is that what Jesus is saying isn't this whole idea of will persecution come? It, it might come. Maybe it'll come. He's not saying that. He's saying it, it, it's going to come. It's going to come. And so we will experience persecution from others. You know, we can't look at these verses without thinking of the many stories of extreme persecution that's happening across this world. You know, here in North America, we are so blessed. We can gather here in this place and worship with a sense of freedom. We are so blessed that even in the midst of COVID, we have a government that is actually considering our religious freedoms in the midst of all of this. We have a government who's creating policies so that we can still gather and be allowed to gather in the midst of this time. And, and as a church, we're figuring out what that's going to look like. So we are very blessed. But we recognize that around the world, our freedoms aren't shared by others, other Christians, are they? You know, we look into history and, and we might pull out a, a book like Fox's Book of Martyrs, which documents Christian persecutions that have happened throughout history. Fox's Book of Martyrs starts by looking at New Testament characters, people like the Apostle Paul and, and the disciples of Jesus. And he, he talks about what history has to say about the way they died, the way they suffered. And then he goes on, kind of century after century, looking at all these people who have died because they chose to walk with Jesus, even when it was tough. And while reading Fox's Book of Martyrs is a very sad, somber, sobering experience, you can flip on the news or pick up a book and read about very similar things happening in our day and age today. One book I read a few years ago was about Brother Yoon, who is a, a Christian brother in China. And Brother Yoon, this book is full of these miraculous stories. Uh, one is that he fasts and prays for a Bible. And one day there's a knock on his door and a man hands him a Bible. Well, Brother Yoon goes on to memorize the book of, of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and then goes preaching and teaching um, from, from Matthew, Matthew's Gospel all around China in these villages. Well, eventually, Brother Yoon ends up being, being arrested because they said that he was causing social unrest and disturbing the peace with his preaching. He spends years in prison where he is tortured and abused. But he perseveres in sharing his faith with the other prisoners. Here's a man who experienced extreme persecution. Brother Yoon's now living in North America. He actually spoke in Edmonton a few months back. But here's a man facing real persecution. In the Middle East, we hear many stories of, of Christian brothers and sisters who, because they're following Jesus, live in fear of their lives. You know, if their family were to find out that they were walking with Jesus, that they would be cast out and at worst killed. These things are going on in our world. Jesus calls them blessed. Now, it's important for us living in North America to, to have a, a right perspective of persecution as well as have a right perspective of the type of persecution that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 5. 
So I can jump on Facebook or I can watch the news where you hear stories where people are calling Christians names, where, where people are frustrated at Christians, where people are rolling their eyes at Christians. And I think for some of us to call that persecution, I, I kind of wonder about that. And the reason I wonder about that is because here in Matthew 5, the persecution that Jesus is talking about is, is persecution that comes because people are walking with him in a certain way. People are experiencing persecution because they're dependent on God. Because they're humble. Because they don't demand their own ways. Because they're working righteousness and peace. Because they're merciful. So when we hear on the news that, that Christians are being persecuted because... Because maybe they're standing up and, and calling other people's names. Because maybe they're jumping on social media and, 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 and saying all sorts of things on social media. You know, sometimes I think that the offense given towards Christians is, is kind of deserved. Because Jesus isn't calling us to get up and fight for our rights. He's not calling for us to go on these, these campaigns against non-Christians to slander non-Christians, to speak poorly of those who don't know him. That's not what Jesus has called us to. And I think a lot of the persecution that we call in North America that's happening is, is a result of, of people who are getting up and, and, and speaking poorly of non-believers. Again, that's not what Jesus has called us to. Instead, the persecution that Jesus is describing here in Matthew 5 is persecution that's coming towards the weak and the humble, the merciful, the pure in heart. So we need to keep that in perspective. And friends, I think as we do keep that in perspective, we can consider our own stories. Think about your own story. Were there times you were called a name for being a Christian? Were there times in your life where you were being looked over for opportunities, not invited to something? Maybe friends or family have spoken poorly of you because of your Christian values. Maybe you've been misunderstood on something and not even given the chance to explain because you're a Christian. And while these types of persecutions are not as, as huge and, and, and dramatic as some of the things we read about that are going on around the world, they're still very real to us, aren't they? If you're anything like me, you still feel fear at the thought of just telling other people about Jesus. We worry about how they'll react or how they'll treat us. We worry about how a loved one might respond if, if we come at them or, or, or come and tell them something about Jesus. Our stories are important when we think of this. Because I'm sure each of us have our own stories of, of persecution of varying degrees. So what do we do with all of this? Do we run from it? Can we run from it? Well, the Apostle Paul writing to young pastor Timothy in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 writes these words. He says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. My persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord, the Lord has rescued me. Indeed, 
all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing that from whom you learned it. What's Paul saying to Timothy here? Timothy, persecution is going to come. Why is persecution coming? Well, it's interesting how Paul sets it up. We're following teaching, conduct, and walking in a particular aim of life. We're people who are patient, who, love, who, who are loving, and who are steadfast. These attributes that Paul identifies here lead to persecution. So if persecution arising from our perseverance in living faithfully to God is inevitable, which I, I believe that's what God's Word is teaching us, what do we do with it? Well, friends, I think we can have hope from these final Beatitudes. Because as walking with Jesus leads to persecution, you and I can take heart as we experience the blessings of God's promises and God's people. As walking with Jesus leads to persecution, we can take heart as we experience the blessings of God's promises and God's people. See, friends, in the midst of this persecution, Jesus is calling us blessed. You are blessed. It doesn't make any sense. But I think Jesus is calling us blessed in the midst of of this opposition and persecution because opposition and persecution is evidence of you and I living out the blessed life. Did you catch that? You see, these final two Beatitudes um, come after we've unpacked all these other ones, right? That, that you are blessed when you're poor of spirit. You're, you're blessed when you mourn. You are blessed when you are meek and humble. You are blessed as you hunger and thirst for righteousness. And it just keeps building and it culminates at this blessing of persecution. But friends, the the persecution is a result of living out this blessed life. The persecution comes as we live in these blessings of God. So much so that here in this passage, Jesus commands us to have joy in the midst of our persecution, in the midst of these circumstances. How does that make any sense? How can we have joy? What is the blessing? Friends, the blessing is God himself. The blessing is God himself. We've titled this sermon series, Chasing Happiness, which is maybe not the best sermon series title, but it's this recognition that the world around us and and even us who are Christians, we long for happiness. And that's okay. It's good. We, we desire to be happy. It's how God made us. And as we chase after that, as the whole world is chasing after that, we are invited in the Sermon on the Mount to see a different way than, than, the, world, than the way that the world sees it. Uh, University of British Columbia, they, they did a bunch of research around the whole idea of happiness. And they did all these studies across the world And they came to identify four characteristics of a happy person. What are the main four things? What are the four things that you should go after if you want to be happy? The four things that they laid out were were, um, socialization. 
So you're, you have lots of friends. You're, you're interacting with people often. The second is trust. So you're not living in this constant skepticism of, of whether or not someone's going to do you wrong. Uh, the third is belonging. So you have a community or some place that you feel you are a part of. And the last one was being generous. So benevolence, giving things away. And they say these are the four main attributes of a happy person. And those are great attributes. And in fact, I, I think that you and I would do well if we went after those things. But as I look at those four attributes, I can't help but bring this one critique to them. Because they seem very circumstantial to me. They seem circumstantial. Because what happens when really close, trusted friends maybe turn their backs on you? What happens when you go through something in life that makes it really difficult to trust other people? What happens when the economy tanks and, and the things that you've had available to you are suddenly gone and you can't be generous anymore? And you live in fear of whether or not you'll actually be able to make ends meet. It seems to me that this research indicates that while these attributes are fantastic and, and they're things we should aspire to, they seem very dependent on our circumstances. Now let's contrast that to the happiness that Jesus has for us. The kingdom of heaven. The comfort of God. Inheriting the earth. Satisfaction as we pursue the righteousness of God. Receiving mercy. Seeing God. Being called children of God. Friends, none of this is circumstantial. <laughs> The happiness, the blessing, is God himself. So when we are enduring persecution and opposition for being Christians, we can rejoice and be glad because persecution and opposition cannot take away from us that one thing that is completely guaranteed, which is God himself. And then you and I get to live in the blessing of walking with Jesus. John chapter 10 verse 10. Uh, that the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. But I have come that you may have life abundantly. As we walk with Jesus, we have life abundantly. Psalm chapter 1 talks about as we live our lives according to God's word. We are like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in season. In all that we do, we prosper. Psalm chapter 23 describes the relationship between God and his people, between God and his children, and, and that as, as God's children, that, that he is leading us, he is our shepherd, we shall not want, he makes us lie down in green pastures, he leads us beside still waters, he quiets my soul. Friends, no persecution, no opposition. No discouragement in your faith can take away these fundamental truths of what it means to belong to God. The trouble is that in the midst of persecution and opposition, we start looking around at the world around us and we, we start focusing on our circumstance and we miss Jesus in the midst of those trials and those tribulations. But he's there. And he wants us to experience that love and that joy and the peace that only he can give. It's what Jesus demonstrated for us, isn't it? 
Hebrews chapter 12. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to who? Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, endured persecution, endured opposition, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How did Jesus endure suffering and persecution? He had his mind and his heart set on the joy that was before him. Friends, that's the same joy that's set before you and before me. One more observation from Matthew chapter 5 here. When Jesus, in verse 12, he says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. That's that joy. And then he says, For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Friends, Jesus calls us blessed in the midst of opposition because we experience the blessing of being among God's people. We experience the blessing of being among God's people. What's Jesus getting at here? He calls them blessed and he points to the fact that when you're persecuted, that's the same persecution that the prophets had to endure. You are in good company. You are in good company when you are persecuted. Because when you're persecuted, you are among the people of God. Something we don't do well in our churches is mourn with one another and share our difficulties. You know, sometimes we come to church and we feel like we're supposed to have it all together because we're Christians. But friends, that's not what the Bible talks about at all. Rather, when we come together, it should be this life on life. And if you had a rough week, if if you had a week where you felt like you were facing opposition, you should be able to come to church and say, man, I had a tough week. I just feel up against it. And what's so neat is I just believe that we can come around one another with our stories and share with one another each other's burdens and talk about, yeah, I've been persecuted too. I've experienced that too. I was looked over as well. I've been called names too. I don't fit in in my workplace either. And we all come together and it can experience a fellowship that is so amazing. We can encourage one another. We can pray for one another. And as we dwell in that company, friends, That's why we're blessed. It's another reason we're blessed. We're not alone. We are not alone. So we need to share our stories with one another. We need to pray for one another. And as we come together, we too need to pray for the persecuted church and be mindful of those who do not share the same freedoms that we do. So church, if you are feeling persecuted, 
If you are experiencing opposition, Jesus' words to you this morning are, you are blessed. The life that Jesus has invited us to walk is a life abundant. But it's also a life that will inevitably bring opposition and persecution. As we reflect on these Beatitudes, I pray that you will realize that though it may be difficult at times, that you are on a road to being blessed, to being deeply fulfilled and in touch with the fruitfulness of God. Let's pray. Father, we are mindful this morning of the invitation to walk with you, Lord, and the opposition and the persecution that can come with that. And so, Jesus, my prayer for this church is that they would experience your blessing, that they would know it. God, that they would experience that abundant life that you came to bring, even in the midst of persecution, that they would experience you as their good shepherd in the midst of opposition. God, that they would hear your tender voice spoken to them. That they would know your comfort. And God, we pray this not only for our community, but we pray it as well for the global persecuted church. Men and women across the world who are suffering for righteousness' sake. And we pray your blessing and your protection over them. And we pray too, God, that you would help us to see our role and caring for them. But Jesus, thank you that you are so near to us in the midst of every storm. And thank you, God, that you desire to bless us. I pray that we would know that blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.